Hi, and welcome back to the Courageous Mama podcast. It's lovely to have you back with me this week. Half-term usually offers us an opportunity to see something and do something different, doesn't it? And we're usually so ready for it by now. But I'm conscious that myself and many of you out there, I know many of my friends are feeling like, oh, what do we put into half-term that's going to make it feel a little bit different? We've done the same things, we've seen the same people, we've done the same bike rides and everything's looking a bit samey. So I hope that you manage to come up with something that feels a little bit different from your normal routine so that you can come back to the second half of the term feeling refreshed and energized. Last week and this week, we're looking at love languages and the different ways we love to give and receive love. And I hope that's given you some insight and perhaps helped you understand why people respond the way they do at certain times and why you respond the way you do sometimes. We're all so different, aren't we? And of course, all of that helps us to understand why our children respond the way they do. And it enables us to ensure that when they're feeling drained, when their tank is low, that we can fill them up with what they really, really need. What has the power to put them back on top again? So last week, we looked at two of the love languages, acts of service and time. This week, we're going to look at gifts, touch and words. All the love languages are gifts in their own way but I'm talking about physical gifts here and if you're a gifts person sometimes it's quite hard to acknowledge. I've done this session quite a few times with mums and often the person who works out that their gifts is like oh I didn't want to be that. It feels like it's quite materialistic. It isn't because what you'll also know is it's the thought behind the gift that mattered to you. It says you were thinking about me when you weren't with me. You've paid attention to the things that I love. You get me, you know me. But equally, it's worth noting that if gifts is at the top of somebody's love languages, a poorly thought through gift actually can be a little bit hurtful. I mean, I'm sure we've all had one of those over the years. You know, if I ask you what your worst Christmas gift was ever, you could probably think of something. For some of you, it'll kind of bounce off you. You might even say, did you keep the receipt? But for others, it pains you. It's hurtful. It means that person hasn't really paid attention to what moves you. And it's also worth saying that these gifts don't have to be expensive. Little tokens mean the world to you if gifts matter to you. A bunch of flowers just something small and thoughtful, a packet of sweets, anything that says, I was thinking of you when I wasn't with you. So if gifts is your child's love language, it doesn't mean they're materialistic. They just respond to that thought that's behind the gift and a present can fill their tank. It can replenish them when they're feeling drained. And if gifts isn't your love language and it is one of your children's, sometimes it can be hard to get your head around it and hard to rise to the challenge of filling that child's tank because it can feel trivial, but it isn't. It says, I love you. It says, I care about you. So for that child, it's really worth keeping a note of the things that they love or that they speak about loving or that they spot in a shop because for that child, gifts are powerful. Even if you just pick a few fresh flowers and pop them in a jar by their bed, that says, I love you. I was thinking about you. And here's the physical outworking of that. And you also might have a child for whom gifts kind of don't really mean anything to them. 
For one of my children, I was clearing out their room when we came to move house and I found unopened gifts. And it was my light bulb moment of thinking, ah, do you know, I often buy little things for this child, but honestly, they don't matter. Time does. Gifts just don't affirm that child. They don't fill their tank. And you'll probably notice that the child that loves gifts is a gift giver. Often wrapping things up for another person or putting little surprises out by someone's plate, by someone's bed. Wanting people to receive that blessing that means so much to them. But of course, if it doesn't mean it for that person, it probably isn't having the same impact. But that's their way of showing you gifts matter to me. And so to words, words of affirmation as they're called in love languages. Little comments about how well you've done or something you're wearing or how that person feels about you or something that you said that made a difference to them. Nobody's going to say that isn't a nice thing to receive. But for the person who loves words, that runs deeply. They need words. They need people to verbalise their appreciation, to stop and say, I noticed you did that. I was really impressed by that. I loved that you did that. I love spending time with you. It can also be questions, asking that person how they are and really taking in their words, listening to what they're saying, remembering what they're saying. And how we put things to people who love words really can matter. And platitudes won't cut the mustard. You're fab, you're amazing. Those sort of words, honestly, they disappear into thin air. And you'll notice the person who loves words will write a lot more in your birthday card or your Christmas card. They'll probably write you random notes or letters here or there. So for me, I love words. When I was first married and my husband would give me a birthday card and it just has my name at the top and his at the bottom, I would give them back and say, I'm sorry, you really need to fill out the bit in the middle. And he'd laugh about it. But when we found out about love languages, it all made sense. And I've kept all my cards. And people who love words will often keep words that are given, sent, texted or said to them. And they hold them in their heart or in boxes in their bedrooms, in my case. So if you're a person who loves words, words nourish you. But also, words can cut you down. A flippant comment, a clumsy comment, a put down, something disapproving. It's not that people who love words aren't able to take constructive criticism. Quite the reverse. But clumsy words can really hurt. They stick, they dig in. They pain them. So if you've got a child who loves words, you might notice they're writing you little notes or they're taking time to express appreciation for others. I have one who used to say, are you impressed of me, mummy? And that was my clue that I needed to remember to sustain my verbal affirmation of him as much as I could. So for that child, notes in the lunchbox, notes under the pillow, letters, Things that they can hold as keepsakes, things that they can read through again and again. Words of encouragement, they empower them, they affirm them, they say, I love you. And when they get that, they'll get a flood of contentment. It doesn't mean they're hunting for compliments, but if a word of encouragement is freely offered, it fills the tank. And it's worth also noting that if you have got a child who you think has words at the top of their love languages list, if you do have some constructive criticism for them, 
It might be worth sandwiching it between words of affirmation. I love how you did that. I was really impressed by that. I love the effort that you put into that. And those little sort of bookends, if you like, will soften the blow of anything constructive that you need to put in the middle. I have a child for whom words are really important. And so when they got to their GCSEs, I would put notes up in their bedroom when they were gone so that when they got back from that exam, there was something in writing, there were words. And when they left home, I found they'd kept all of the notes. For a person who loves words, words matter. So what about touch? When we talk about touch, particularly between partners, we're not necessarily relating that to the bedroom. We're talking about a hug, a hand on the shoulder, a touch, a held hand. Stopping and just giving that physical affirmation is what really does it for that person. Interestingly, when touch is at the bottom of your love language list, that person can sometimes think, am I cold? Is there something wrong with me? I just don't have the same need to stop and have a hug on arrival or departure or throughout the day. Maybe you're one of those people in public when people come towards you with a hug, you're like, I really wish they wouldn't. Maybe touch just isn't as important for you. But if touch is important, touch says, I love you. Touch refuels you. Touch says, I really care about what you're going through. Or it says, I really care about you. And as life would have it, we often marry the opposite. So it may well be that one of you in the partnership loves touch and the other, maybe it's at the bottom of the list. And so they feel like, oh my gosh, why do they always want to put their arms around me? Why do they always want to hug me? And the other person's thinking, why don't they hug me a bit more? And actually, when we know that about a person, when we know that that's going to really refuel them, we can afford to be a bit more intentional about just checking in, stopping, filling that tank, giving them a hug, putting a hand on their knee and giving them that attention that really does it for them. When children are small, of course we know they all need to be cuddled and touched and held. But you've probably experienced that some of your children are more touchy than others. Some of them, even when they're growing up, are still checking in for that hug, snuggling up on your knee, possibly even when they're slightly too big to fit. That's the child for whom touch says, I love you. So banking a good few moments a day of physical contact with that child will make an enormous impact on their emotional growth. It doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't touch our other children. I think we should continually get used to touch in a family setting, a hand on the shoulder, just checking in with them in that way. But a child for whom touch is top of their love language list, we really need to make time to put our arms around them, to give them a kiss on the cheek or that hand on the back or maybe a little shoulder rub or perhaps just a really big squeeze, depending on what age they are. And when they're small, that's what the wrestling is all about. You know how they love to tussle around and muck about on the floor? That's touch. They're getting their fill of touch when they're children. You might find that you've got a child who continues to sort of play like that, even when you think, gosh, I thought they'd be a bit past that, but they're always poking and prodding someone. That's their cue. They're saying, touch me. I need touch. My tank is empty. Silly handshakes or maybe when you're watching TV, letting them put their head on your lap and just stroking their hair. Or if you think they've got to an age where that feels awkward, there's nothing like a bear hug. And even the child who loves touch will avoid touch at times. There are times when they just go into themselves 
as they get a little older. They're just exerting their independence. It doesn't mean to say that touch doesn't matter to them. It just means they're not in the mood right now. Perhaps their tank is full. But when it's empty again, if they lack that touch that they so need to fill their tank, you'll start to see the cracks, the lack of contentment, the lack of calm, and perhaps even some of the not so admirable characteristics. That's the clue that they're running low. So come across now and hear a couple of friends of mine who identify with some of the love languages we've spoken about just then and they're going to share how that works out in their everyday lives. I've also taken this opportunity to ask them how lockdown is going for them. So first meet my friend Fleur. I always feel like it's it's taboo to say how much of a blessing it's been but believe me there are times when I can feel quite overwhelmed by just the enormity of it and how many people have been affected and the devastation and even personally I mean you know we've got restaurants in Thailand that are you know all shut at the moment so there are huge things but I just think in the day-to-day I've just been so thankful for the, the the blessing of time and you know deeper connection with with my children and even just time for myself things like reading things that I just haven't given myself permission to do in the mad rush well I'm glad it's a blessing to you so we're going to chat today about love languages and I know that's something that you're familiar with so tell me what's your love language well I, I think I've I've got a couple but probably words of affirmation are very important you know, you don't realise how important they are until you get the opposite of that. That is so true. So tell me what words of affirmation mean to you. Um, well, I'm a single mum, so, you know, I think love languages we can sometimes assume just, you know, come from our spouse and there's something that happens in building up, a, you know, that intimate, close relationship. And obviously that's not something that is part of my journey at the moment. Um mm. I mean, so words of affirmation as a love language is quite a hard one for children to, well, I don't know, that's probably a generalisation. They're probably all something that needs to be learnt. I probably haven't modelled words of affirmation on myself until more recently. And so, therefore, I don't think it's something that my boys have necessarily seen me model about myself. Although they, they certainly receive them from me, particularly one of them, it's important to him. Children don't necessarily affirm parents the way parents affirm children. But if you take something like touch, a child will come in for a hug. Now, it might be because they want a hug, but you still get a hug, don't you? Yes, yes, maybe that's what I was trying to get towards. Whereas there's others like, you know, acts of service and words that might not necessarily be something that's innate in them. You know, whereas, as you say, touch is something really raw that young children both need, but you're also the recipient of in that in that connection that happens. I think that's really true. And even with gifts, I was talking to Becky last week and she was saying that, you know, her daughter loves gifts and she brings her flowers and she wraps up just about everything and puts them on their pillow. So I think if gifts that's is lovely. yours you do give it, but if words is yours, you want to receive it. So it's like you say, it's a learned experience, isn't it? Affirming others. And children don't necessarily focus on that until they're a bit older. No, and so, you know, on that note, I think there's very much a, a culture that needs to be set in your home. You know, we, we don't always, we don't get it right, but I am intentional about creating a space where it's positive words and that we are choosing our words carefully. That's such a brilliant culture to bring the children up in. That's something they will go out into life with. And actually, you know, words of affirmation, as it's called, I was pondering it this morning and thinking, you know, because words is my top love language. 
I don't always need to be affirmed per se. I don't always need someone to say you're doing well. So they come in all sorts of different guises, don't they? And it can be just someone being honest with you, somebody sharing themselves and oh, their words. Completely. Oh, you're so right there because, you know, it's so far from just, you know, receiving lots of praise and gushing kind of, aren't you fabulous? There's <laughs> there's a depth to that connection and actually sharing that with somebody else and being in the position of, I mean, a humbling privilege where someone feels that they can open up with you too. Mm. and use their words is definitely part of what it means to words of affirmation are a top a top love language for you and then as you were saying earlier you notice it when you don't have enough of it so what do you notice in yourself when you haven't had your fill of words as it were I can feel a bit rudderless I think mm. you've mentioned to me before that you thought you used to be touch yes I did um I just don't think touch has the same hold over me you know mm. I love it I love a good hug I love to be you know held to be to receive that and to give that and um to share in that but it's it, it doesn't kind of satiate me and go deep it doesn't have the power that the words do no yeah no. and sometimes we can misunderstand our love language if we've had a depletion so if you took any one of them completely away from a person they would probably think yeah. that's what they are because it's just what they crave bar some of course if it's at the bottom like gifts um, I should think there's probably some people in lockdown who have been isolated and are desperately in need of a hug at the moment absolutely and you know I just said that to um, our, my boys yesterday you know I said to them oh, I'm so grateful to you guys because if I was on my own boys I would I wouldn't have that physical contact right now there'd be nobody that I could I could hold or receive a hug from so I'm just so thankful that we can we can give that to each other yeah. so they do all count you know mm -hmm. I mean all of the love languages matter but there's just certain ones that feature more de more more deeply mm, to they take the you spot know. don't they yeah. I always love chatting to Fleur and I appreciate that depth of honesty, not only where she's at in the lockdown process, but just that place as a single mum of where love languages hit the spot for her. So come across now and meet Louise and find out how lockdown's impacting their family and what love languages means to her. I think it's a mixture. I think everybody's kind of lost the excitement of, of lockdown. It was exciting to go out for bike rides and to go for walks and to be imaginative with what to do with your time and to enjoy being at home, actually. I really liked it in the beginning. I liked being at home with the family and not having the pressures of having to go somewhere for this certain time and meeting all the deadlines that we normally have to meet. Mm. But then it's kind of, everything's been done. Yeah loads times now we've done the walks we've done the cycle rides we've done all the board games we've done all the card games when the holidays are due normally by the time it comes to half term you're really ready for half term because everybody needs a break and I think that we're at that point I think one of the things that motivates me is looking forward and so looking yeah. forward to a holiday or looking forward to seeing people looking forward to a party or doing stuff and because we've got such an uncertain future, we've got nothing to look forward to. It doesn't mean the moments aren't fantastic and wonderful in their own way, but there's not that thing out on the landscape that you're sort of excited for. Yeah, Especially and I think the other thing is, exactly, I think, is that we normally have balance. 
That's so true. The balance has gone. And although we might have more of things that we usually crave, probably everyone's tank, as it were, <laughs> is full of that stuff. So I want to chat to you about love languages. What would you say your top love languages are? I think words and gifts and possibly touch. I don't want to say all of them. (laughs) (laughs) What's at the bottom for Uh, you? Definitely acts of service. Isn't that interesting? People know what's at the bottom. Acts of service annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, I'll remember that. Shan't be coming over to do your ironing. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I just don't, it doesn't fill my tank. Yeah, there we go. Talk to me about gifts, because this is an unusual one, and I think a lot of people find it hard to acknowledge because it sounds materialistic. Have you got your head around gifts? Yeah, I don't think it is materialistic because it's not about buying an expensive, lavish gift. It's not even that they're showing that they're thoughtful. It's showing that they've thought of you in a specific way. For example, one of the... This is going to sound really stupid. (laughs) One of the uh, nicest gifts that Philip has bought me before, that my husband's bought me before, was a pair of bed socks. (laughs) And that was because my feet are always cold at night. And it doesn't sound very romantic. And, you know, he's bought me lovely, expensive things in the past that are, you know, to be treasured and things. But that was really thoughtful. That meant that Mm. he he was away and he really, he saw some bed socks that were really soft and lovely. And he thought, Louise would need those and I'm going to get them for her. I love that. To me, that meant while he was away, he thought of me. It wasn't an expensive, lavish gift, but it was a thoughtful one. And every time I put on those bed socks, it made me feel loved. Oh, and can you identify that feeling it gives you? I think you feel like you matter to them Mm. and that you've been in their thoughts and you're loved. The thing about gifts, is it's a gift that isn't necessarily for a reason Mm. so there's things like a birthday present yeah that's different Mm. gifts could be i like daffodils daffodils cost like a pound for a bunch of daffodils but they brighten the whole room when you put those gorgeous flowers and they come out and they're bright yellow and they kind of lift everybody's spirits and they mean spring has come it seems like it's materialistic but it's not I've got friends in London. Sometimes we just send each other the tiniest thing, but it just shows that you've been thought of. Mm. Well, she bought me, actually, one of those little pebbles that has a message on it. And I think of her each time I see it. It might be worthless, but it means something. Mm. And can a gift go wrong? Can it hurt? It can go wrong if people feel that they have to give you something and then it's not a thought-through gift. The nice thing about gifts is when you get a gift and it, there's no reason for it. It's yeah. just because you've been thought of. Yes. And even if they've got it slightly wrong, the fact that they thought of you and thought of giving you something is what it was all about. That's what the meaning behind it is. That's so true. So there you are, the power of love languages. What's yours? Isn't it interesting to know that what we might have thought would be a real blessing to somebody, a big hug 
or just sitting down and encouraging them or giving them our words and to know that actually what really held power was to give them a little gift or completely conversely we give them a gift and it just bounces off them it doesn't have power it doesn't touch that spot that says I needed my tank filled. I hope that's been interesting for you. I certainly think it's been insightful for the mums that I work with. And when they apply it to their children, they often come back and share the ways in which it really made a difference to how their children felt invested in. If you'd like to, you could go across to the Love Languages website and do a little online test and find out what you are, what your partner is, what your young children are, what your teenagers are, and make sure that you've got the tools to give them what they need in that moment when they're feeling depleted. I'll put the link in the show notes and I'd love to hear your feedback. I always really enjoy hearing from you. I'm Madeline Stanny at iCloud.com or you can find me on Instagram or my blog at The Courageous Mama. See you next week.